The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, July 16, 2023, on the basis of Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 10. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. At the peak of his career, Olympic swimmer Michael Phelps consumed a 10,000 calorie a day diet, which included three ham, egg, and cheese sandwiches, three pancakes, three pieces of French toast, a five-egg omelet, a bowl of grits, and two cups of coffee just for breakfast. And if that doesn't sound appealing to you, with the help of that diet, Michael Phelps went on to win 28 Olympic medals, 23 of which were gold, both of which are all-time records. For quite a few years, NFL quarterback Tom Brady consumed a diet that consisted of very little else besides fruit and vegetables and seeds and nuts, and perhaps most famously of all, evidently, he enjoyed a good bowl of avocado ice cream. And if that doesn't sound appealing to you, With the help of that diet, Tom Brady was able to remain an elite-level NFL quarterback until the age of 45, winning seven Super Bowls along the way. A year ago, during the summer, another NFL quarterback named Aaron Rodgers went through what is known as a Pancha Karma cleanse, a 12-day detox that consisted of all kinds of laxatives and vomit inducers designed to just completely flush someone out. And if that doesn't sound appealing to you, with the help of that process, Aaron Rodgers led the Green Bay Packers to a losing record, (laughs) to a third-place finish in the division, and to a loss in the final game of the year to the lowly Detroit Lions to miss out on the playoffs. It's kind of nice to be able to poke fun at Aaron Rodgers now that he doesn't play for our team, right? Here's the point. There is a very close relationship between what we fuel our bodies with and what we fuel our bodies for. If you don't want to spend six hours swimming laps in a pool every single day, 365 days a year, you probably don't need to eat what Michael Phelps eats. If you don't want to remain an elite-level NFL quarterback until the age of 45, you probably don't need to eat what Tom Brady eats. There's a very close tie between what we fuel ourselves with and what we fuel ourselves for. And that sounds simple enough, except that I think it presents us with a bit of a challenge based on the Word of God that is in front of us today from Ephesians chapter 1. You see, all week long, as you've heard, at our soccer camp, we have been talking about how God provides us with fuel for life. And in fact, all week long, we have seen exactly what these verses say. That what God fuels us with is, in a word, grace. But these words don't just tell us what God fuels us with, they also tell us what God fuels us for. And what God fuels us for is in a word, praise. And I don't know about you, but it's really easy to be all excited about the one, but perhaps not so sure about the other. I mean, grace? Sure. 
I'll take some of that. Pure, unfiltered, high-octane grace from our God. Grace from God, grace from other people, you bet. In fact, that's probably what our world and our lives need more of, isn't it? But that God would fuel us with his grace so that he could fuel us for praise. That the entire reason we exist and the entire purpose for our lives would be that we would bring glory to God. I don't know about you, but maybe that sounds a little bit boring, doesn't it? There has to be more to life than that. Surely we're going to miss out on all the fun if that's the sole purpose of our existence, won't we? Tell you what, we'll come back to that question in just a bit. But let's start out this morning by spending a little bit of time looking at this thing that God fuels us with. In these verses, the Apostle Paul tells us about a variety of blessings that our God richly gives to us. But as we read about these blessings, don't think of them as a list of sort of independent, separate items like the things you might go shopping for at the grocery store. Instead, really all of them are different ingredients that are mixed together as part of one single recipe. You see, over and over again, Paul tells us that all of these blessings are found in Christ. It's almost as if Jesus is the container. He's like the water bottle that all of these things are mixed around and swirled up in. And if that is the case, then the secret ingredient for God's recipe, the thing that makes it unique, the thing that makes it what it is, is this thing we call grace. So Paul starts out by talking about the blessing of adoption. We have been adopted into God's family. In other words, God in heaven, the CEO of the entire universe, the sole shareholder of all of the earth's vast wealth, is our dad. Which means that no matter what, you and I, first of all, have a place where we will always belong, where we fit in and where we are dearly loved. It also means that we can be confident that we are cared for, that all of our needs are going to be provided for, that we will be safe and protected from danger. It also means that we know what our future holds. It means that our own names have been written into the family will and there is an eternal inheritance waiting for us. Now here's where grace comes into the mix. Paul tells us that God chose us to be adopted into his family before we were even born, in fact, before the creation of the world, and that he did so in accordance with his pleasure and will. In other words, when God wanted to add some members into his family, he didn't go looking through a whole stack of adoption profile papers. Let's see, who looks healthy? Who has a good genetic history in their family? Who doesn't have any behavioral problems or other red flags that show up on the report? No, God's decision to adopt us had nothing to do with the people that he was adopting. Instead, it was only in accordance with his pleasure and will. In other words, it's kind of like that answer that you probably sometimes give to your children when they ask you a question about why a certain thing is the way that it is. Why did God adopt us into his family? 
because. Just because. That's it. There's no other reason or explanation that can be given. That's God's grace. And God's grace means that our adoption is completely undeserved. There's a second blessing that Paul talks about in these verses. He talks about the blessing of redemption. In other words, we have a Father in heaven who is not just willing to adopt us into his family, but who is also willing to bail us out. When the children sneak out of the house, when they get mixed up in all the wrong crowd, when they end up on the wrong side of the law, when they get arrested and imprisoned and there is a hefty fine that needs to be paid in order for them to be set free, that's when redemption becomes so important. And in God's family, he is the one who pays that fine so that we can go free. In fact, in God's family, here's how that went. God, our Father himself, went down to the county courthouse and he said to the sheriff, I understand that my child has broken the law. I understand that the law and justice demand that he needs to be held here, that a sentence needs to be paid. And so, yes, you can have one of my children for your prison, but not this adopted child, not the child who deserves to be here. Instead, the natural-born child, the one that doesn't need to be here. And he's going to stay here, and he's going to serve not just what needs to be served for this sentence. He's going to stay here as long as it takes for all of the law's demands to be fully satisfied. And for every sentence, for every crime that has ever or could possibly ever be committed for that sentence to be paid. And now here's where grace comes into the mix. Paul tells us that because our redemption comes through Jesus and through his blood that we have that redemption in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. In other words, there is absolutely no end, no limit to the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. If God were trying to figure out how much of that redemption to add to this mix of blessings, the measuring cup that he would be using wouldn't be a teaspoon or a tablespoon or a cup or even a quart. That measuring cup would have absolutely no limit. In fact, that word in Ephesians that's translated lavish is the very same word that you heard in today's gospel. When the disciples discovered what was left, after this miraculous meal that Jesus had provided. So 5,000 men, plus women and children, all of them starving. You start out with five loaves of bread and two small fish. All of them, don't just get a bite or a nibble or a snack, all of them eat and have their fill. And what's left? Still more. Twelve baskets of leftovers, more than they even had started with. So a world full of seven billion wayward sinners, each one with a whole laundry list of crimes that they have committed. And you start out with one perfect son offered as a sacrifice for them all. 
even after every single one of those sins that has been committed as of July 16, 2023, has been paid for, what's left of God's redemption? Still more. There is no limit to the leftovers. God's grace means that our redemption is completely unlimited. So these are the ingredients. This is the mix that God puts together in this container, in this bottle that's labeled Jesus Christ. This grace is what makes it what it is. It's what makes it unique. And this is the grace that God fuels us with. But now we have to come back to that question that we put off before. God fuels us with his grace, but God fuels us for praise. Paul also says that in these verses. In fact, Paul is even doing that in these verses. That's the very first word out of his pen. So what if praise wasn't this thing that sort of seemed to make life boring and dull? What if praise isn't this thing that sort of causes us to miss out on all the real fun in life? What if praise is the very thing God created us to do? In other words, what if absolute peak human performance is a life of praise? What if we as human beings are actually firing on all cylinders and operating at absolute maximum efficiency when we are living a life of praise? I probably don't need to tell you that peak human performance is not a life that is full of worry and anxiety. Not a life where we are absolutely crippled by fear of the danger that surrounds us or over whatever our future might hold. Well, do you know what is the exact opposite of that? It's praise. Praise includes an absolutely calm confidence that because we have been adopted into God's family, we are cared for and we are safe. And that blessing of adoption is completely undeserved. I probably also don't need to tell you that peak human performance is not a life that is full of guilt and shame. It's not a life where we live each day unable to leave our past behind us. It's not a life where we walk around feeling as if there is this mark tattooed right across our forehead letting everybody know about some terrible thing that we've done in our past. It's not a life where we have some deep, dark secret that we're constantly terrified about anyone finding out about. Well, do you know what is the exact opposite of that? It's praise. Praise includes a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that knows that, yes, our sins carry with them a sentence, but that sentence has already been paid by our Savior Jesus Christ. And so our sins are not things that we need to carry around or try to hide from the world. I feel like I also need to tell you that peak human performance is not a life 
where we divide all of the world's people into two groups, the good guys and the bad guys. It's not a life where we constantly go around trying to prove to ourselves or to others that we are one of the good guys. It's not a life where arrogance and bitterness and rage are always right at the surface and sometimes come bubbling over directed toward those people that fit our description of the bad guys. Well, do you know what the, is the exact opposite of that? It's praise. Praise includes humility. Knowing that every single good thing that we have and every single good thing that we are is a gift from God. It includes knowing that the very grace that is the only explanation for why God could possibly love us means that he equally loves everyone else too. It means doing whatever we can to share the same grace that we have received with others who need it. Finally, I should also tell you that it is not peak human performance to live a life that is full of listening to our inner voice and trying to be our true selves. It is not a life spent trying to pursue and satisfy every single one of our desires. Well, do you know what is the exact opposite of that? It's praise. Praise again includes the humility to know that if God really created us and if God really chose us as his children even before the world began, then yes, believe it or not, God knows us even better than we know ourselves. And so it means following his loving guidance for our lives, even if he's guiding us in the exact opposite direction of where we want to go. So I don't know about you, but praise sounds pretty good. Calm instead of fear. Peace instead of guilt and shame. Humility instead of arrogance and rage. A directed life instead of an aimless life. This is what God fuels us for when he fuels us with his grace. Which is really good news. Especially if, like me, you would look at your life right now and feel as though you are anything but a Michael Phelps or a Tom Brady. If you would look at your life and conclude that in this game of life you are a far cry from a 28-time Olympic medalist or an elite NFL quarterback. And of course, all of us look at our lives and rightly conclude at any moment that we are not functioning at peak human performance. In fact, we won't this side of heaven. But the solution to that problem is not to look deep down inside of ourselves. It's not to try and muster up even more willpower and determination and work ethic. No, instead, the solution of blessings that God fuels us with has already been mixed. It's already been provided. It's in that container, that bottle that's labeled Jesus. And its secret ingredient is grace. And so whenever you are looking for fuel, for more peak human performance in your life, more praise that you were created for, the fuel that you need 
has already been supplied abundantly. Amen.